Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by listening in, and we're grateful for you. Um, Before we begin, I just want to encourage you to not let this podcast replace the local church in your life. God has designed it so that we are to join a local church and serve that body of believers and be shepherded by the pastor of that church. And that's something no podcast can give you. And so if you're not involved in a local church, let me encourage you to find one as soon as possible. Enjoy our podcast. Ephesians 5. We started last week talking about marriage, talking about what marriage is biblically. Um, talking, we're just going to talk about the basics of marriage, giving you a theology of what marriage is. Um, last week we talked about a general definition of what marriage is. Marriage is a joining of two as one. It is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's a friendship of sacrificial love. Um, today we talk about um, the husband and wife specifically, and what is a biblical husband, what is a biblical wife. Um, and so for that we'll go to Ephesians 5. You know, our modern society thinks they are the most advanced people ever. Um, that they think that that, that old-fashioned view of marriage is traditional and oppressive, the, the idea that the husband's the head of the home. Um, we see this kind of attitude in, in many ways today, but but biggest way is, is something we see in every generation. Every generation in history assumes they know more than the previous generation. Those of you in your 80s, you thought that about your grandparents, and us, my age, think that about our grandparents. We just do. Like, it's just the nature of humanity. Um, But our generation specifically, our time that we're in, thinks that every generation in human history has been wrong, but we finally got it figured out. That is, for six, seven, eight thousand years, they've been just been doing life wrong, but we figured it out. We are so smart. Look at us. The modern view of marriage that is being promoted is that the husband and the wife are exactly the same. They don't have any differences. That they, they say this in a, in a desire to not make either spouse less valuable. Neither spouse is less valuable, um, but, but, but that's not what we're talking about when we talk about the spouses being different. Society thinks this superior view of marriage where the husband and the wife are exactly the same, they think it's superior. The funny thing is this new view of marriage is the one seeing the most people getting divorced and the decline in people getting married at all. And, and so it doesn't seem to be working that well. Hold your spot in Ephesians 5, Genesis 2. I was going to read this during the service, but doing the service out of order got me off whack more than I realized. Um, Genesis 2. We see the first marriage here. Genesis 2, verse 18 to 25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to, to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with his flesh. With, with flesh, And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God made man. He made, he made man, the, the, the gender man, not, not mankind. He made man um, on the earth, and it was not good that man should be alone. So God made him a helper. This does not mean that you're, you're incomplete if you're not married. Understand at this point, Adam had nobody on the planet. He had no friends. He had no brothers. He had no um, parents. He had nothing, just him. Like he was alone. He needed somebody with him. So God made him a companion. He made him a companion. He made his wife. He made her as his helper. That's what the text says. That word is not degrading to women. We assume that it is. It's not degrading to her. The Hebrew word there is edzer, edzer. Um, the word edzer is used in other parts of the Bible to refer to God. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my edzer come from? My edzer comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So if it's degrading to women, I guess it's degrading to God. It says in that passage that it's a helper suitable for him, a helper suitable for him. The Hebrew there is something like it's, it's a helper like the opposite of him. Like um, she has all the strengths he has, and, and he has all the strengths she, she, he has all the strengths that she doesn't have. She has all the strengths that he doesn't have. It's something like man and woman are a puzzle piece that fit together. Man has the strengths that woman doesn't have and vice versa. God created us to complement each other. Not to be exactly the same, to pick up the slack where each other can't. The husband and the wife are equal in value, but they're different in roles and responsibilities. It's the same concept of the Trinity. God is one God, three persons. All of them are equally God. All of them are 100% God, but different ones in the Trinity do different things. The Holy Spirit did not die on the cross. You understand that? The, the God the Father is not the one who brings us alive at salvation. The Holy Spirit does that. God, the, each member of the Godhead has different responsibilities, the same as marriage. The husband and the wife have different responsibilities. So, Ephesians 5. These are the verses that precede what we read last week. Last week we did 31 through 33. This week we do 22 through 30. So let's read together. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that, he might, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of of his body. <clears throat> People often think this passage is hard on women because it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Um, I think it's actually harder on men than women. Um, but before we get to that, just uh, the passage I read as we open up this morning, 18 through 21, just notice how that connects with what we read here. Understand what's going on in Ephesians. Um, chapter, 
chapter 1 through 8, chapter 5, 1 through 18 is basically talking about how the church is to operate with each other, the relationship um, church members are to have with each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. And it ends with verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then for the rest of the book of, of Ephesians, he's going to lay out how that works itself out in every other relationship. How does it work in marriage? How does it work in parenting, in work? Parents to children, children to parents, wives to husbands, husbands to wives, um, bond servants to masters, masters to bond servants. Um, he's going to show how submit to one another plays itself out in those relationships. Wives are not the only ones being told to submit in this passage. They're not. This is about what the church should look like. This is about what the church should look like. People should be submitting to one another out of love and out of reverence for Christ. All of that submission is tied to what Jesus did. Understand Christ submitted first. Christ submitted first. He submitted to the Father. He submitted to death that he might defeat it and rise above it. He submitted to us by serving us. He laid down his life for us. He did not take it up. He laid it down. 1 John 3.16, we know what true love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And we should give up our lives for one another. We should lay down our lives for one another. So now we're called to submit to one another in the same way that he did. That's what verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. That's what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. To sing psalms to each other, to make melody in your heart to the Lord, to give thanks always, and to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what being filled with the Spirit is. It's not about flopping on the floor and speaking gibberish like some denominations would tell you. It's about serving one another. It's about serving one another. It's about laying yourself aside and submitting. Submit is a, in Greek is a military term. When you join the military, you lose control over yourself. You surrender your independence for the independence of other people. They tell you when you eat and what you eat. They control your schedule. They determine when you sleep and when you rise. And in the church and in marriage, we lay ourselves aside for the good of others. We submit in love. So how does this play itself out? Well, I told you this passage is harder on men than women. So we're going to start with husbands, 25 through 30. Then we're going to jump back and, and talk about wives. So husbands. The husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, as Christ loved the church. Husbands are to love their wives the way Jesus loved us. That's a tall order. That's a tall order. You think it's hard to hear wives submit to your husbands? Husbands are told, be like the perfect son of God toward your wife. Be, be like the perfect son of God toward your wife. That's a, that's a much harder thing than submit to your husbands. Husbands, I would say this to you. If you're not learning more about the love of Jesus through your marriage, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Remember, marriage is not meant to make you happy. It's meant to make you holy. We said that last week. It's, it's meant to make you more and more like Jesus, the Jesus who died for you, who marriage is all about. God has set this up that you are to become more like Jesus through you having to love your wife like Jesus loves you. Loving your wife when she disappoints you, when she doesn't measure up, you still see her as your spotless bride because that's what Jesus does with you. Always considering her needs. What does she need? How can I serve her today? So you think about your day. You get up, you go to work, you work hard, and you provide for your wife. You come home, you pull in the garage, 
and you pray, Lord, I am exhausted, but give me the strength to love well tonight. You get out of your car and you go in and you have three goals for the night, three goals. First of all, you're gonna help your wife with dinner. Second of all, you're gonna help your wife with your kids. And third of all, you're gonna spend intentional time investing in your wife. That might be through sitting and having a real conversation with her, no phones allowed, put your phone in the other room, like, like talk. That might be through giving her an hour to herself while you watch the kids. What does she need? You ask that question. You pour out your evening for her, and you go to bed tired. You go to bed just wiped out. It's the opposite of the attitude of so many men. That is, go home, go work hard, come home, kick back and, and watch TV and expect the wife to serve them. After all, she's just been at home watching the kids all day. How hard can that be? That's sarcasm. I hope you got that. You know, I worked hard all day for her. What, what's she going to do for me tonight? And sir, if I could just say that's the attitude of the devil, not of Christ. The devil wants to sit on God's throne and say, come serve me. Look how worthy I am. Jesus gets off of God's throne, comes down to serve us, thus showing how worthy he is, showing how worthy he is. The husband's job <clears throat> is to lay himself aside and treat his wife like she's the most important person in existence outside of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus does for his bride. That's what he does for his bride. Through daily sacrifice of time and energy, through sacrifice of needs, through giving his life if necessary, he loves her as Jesus loves him. Most men say they would give their life for their wife. You know, they jump in front of a bullet for her. But, but, but many men won't live their life for their wife. Because, you know, jumping in front of a bullet is a one-time decision you got to make. Living your life for your life is a daily grind for the rest of your life. Which one's more difficult? A lot of doofus husbands love this passage that I just read. They, they just think it's so juicy. Yeah, she got to submit to me. I love that. But men who don't serve their wife but use this verse to be domineering and manipulative, they deserve the most severe rebuke. You, you should, if that's you as a man, you should be on this altar weeping your eyes out for how pathetic of a man you are. Like you just should. She's to submit, yes, but your job is to submit first. That's what the passage says. Your job is to submit first because that's what Jesus did. Jesus submitted first. He doesn't make the church submit to him because he deserves it. He submitted first. He laid down his life for them first. Now he calls them to give their life to him. That's it. That's how it works. Husbands, long before your wife submits to you, you lay yourself aside and put her completely as your greatest concern. You do that. Why? Completely for her good. Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present the church, his bride, to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. He wants to make her beautiful. He wants to make her glorious, completely for her good, to sanctify her by the washing of the word. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, Christ is daily working to grow you in your faith. He's making you more like himself. That's what he's committed to. He's committed to making you more like him. If you're saved, you're completely forgiven before God, but you still have sin dwelling in you. You do. You do, I do. We all do. He's working those out day by day to conform us to his image. We call this sanctification. 
If you're not growing more like Jesus and coming to hate your sin more and more, there's something dysfunctional about your relationship with Jesus. There just is. He's pressing out the wrinkles like a sheet that he might present her without spot or wrinkle. My neighbor growing up um, washed his truck every single day. I'm not joking. That's legit. He would wash it, put it at the front of the driveway. For the, you know, it was a dead-end road for the three people that passed by to see his glorious truck there at the end of the driveway, spotless. He was OCD about it. He wanted it to be spotless. And Jesus is constantly cleansing us so he can put us at the front of the driveway to show us off in what his grace is doing in our lives. That's what he does without spot, without wrinkle. I don't iron my clothing. Some of you may. Um, some of you iron, and you won't wear a shirt unless it has no wrinkle in it whatsoever. I just use the dryer method, just toss it in there and turn it on and get it out and go. Or just, you know, wear it with wrinkles, who cares? Jesus is working to make the church without wrinkle completely. He's ironing out the church all the time, taking out the wrinkles. Husbands, you work for this good in your wife's life. In life, she's who you're thinking about when you make decisions. You don't think about yourself anymore. You think about her. You, I would even add your wife is more important than your kids. Your, your wife is more important than your kids. Love your kids 110%. Do that. But if you love your kids more than your spouse, you'll have an unhealthy marriage. Your kids need to see you loving your spouse because they're going to learn how to be married one day by what they saw you doing. They're going to learn that. Lead her in life. Lead her spiritually. Your wife's spiritual development is your job. Don't leave her hungry to know God more with nobody to lead her there. It's a picture of what Jesus is doing. He's washing her with the word, the word of God. He's washing her with that. We're going to talk more about that in a couple weeks, so, so hold that in your mind. The husband's to lay himself down, as we said. Now the husband, verse 28 through 30, the husband is to love his wife as he loves his own body. You and I are a lot more self-centered than you know. The, the reason everything I say here in this passage is offensive to so many people, it, whether it's husbands or wives, it, it, the reason it's so hard of a teaching is that we're so self-centered. We look out for number one, me, myself, and I. But self-centeredness will destroy your marriage. It will. Self-centeredness will destroy your marriage. Bucking against these commands that Paul lays out here will, is just selfish, whether that is the wife or the husband. He says, love your wife as you love your own body. Verse 28, love the wife as you love your own body. I do a pretty good job at taking care of my body when there's a problem. You know, when I'm hungry, you can find me in the pantry looking for food, like you just can. And, and I don't eat out of some dreary obligation, oh, I got to eat dinner tonight. No, I eat and enjoy it. I, I eat and enjoy it. I've had these couple canker sores on my tongue this week it's been miserable because I can't enjoy eating every time I take a bite I'm like oh that hurts and I want to enjoy that stuff uh, I don't want to suffer through it when it's time to go to bed I lay down and go to bed and I enjoy it when I sleep well uh, I enjoy it I enjoy taking care of my body and you do too and that's how the husband is to love his wife he's to take care of his wife the way he takes care of his own body Husbands are to make it their joy to look out for the needs of their wife. You look out for her needs, and you seek to meet those needs. Christ died to make it so that you could do this. 
2 Corinthians 5.15, he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Christ died to make it so that we could no longer live for ourselves, but, but, but for him and doing what he says, which is loving your wife, not living for yourself. So that's the husband. Now let's talk about the wife, verses 22 through 24. I'm going to read the passage again, 20 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as Christ submits to, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. With all that in mind, with everything that we've just said about the husband in mind, we look at this controversial passage about the wife, submit. Understanding what the husband is called to do puts this in perspective, puts this in perspective. Husbands are to lead their homes in such a way that they're putting their wives' needs completely before their own, and the wife should have no problem submitting to that. Like, he's completely looking to her good. This does not mean, though, that the wife is exempt from submitting if the husband doesn't love her properly. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Notice what drives the wife to submit. It's the same thing that drives the husband to submit. Verse 21, 22, let's read them together. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. There's probably a break in your Bible. Mine breaks right there and puts wives and husbands. There's no break in this when Paul wrote it. There's nothing there. It's, it's all together as one paragraph. Like, there's no break. The wife submits out of reverence for Christ. That's, that's what it says. Just as the husband's job is drawn out of Christ, so is the wife's. In fact, all seven of these, um, the church in verse 21, the wife in 22 through 24, the husband 25 through 33, children in verse, chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, fathers chapter 6, verse 4, bondservants chapter 5, um, chapter 6, verse 5, masters chapter 6, verse 9. They're all drawn out of what Christ has done. The, the submission there to do is, is drawn out of what Christ did. Wives, you submit to your own husbands out of reverence for Christ. Actually, reverence, that's how my translation puts it. There's a couple others put it, fear for Christ. And that's actually better capturing the Hebrew, the, the Greek word there. Um, the Greek word there where it says reverence is phobo. What does phobo sound like? Phobia. Phobia. Phobia means fear. Arachnophobia is the fear of spiders. Um, claustrophobia is the fear of small spaces. Hippopotamonstrosis quiptoleophobia, the fear of long words. You, you submit out of fear for Christ, out of phobo for Christ. Fear of God in the Bible doesn't mean being scared of him like he's the boogeyman. Like, like you're just going to round the corner and he's going to go, boo. That's not what it is. No, it's being so in awe of him that your life is in his hands completely completely submitted to his will no matter what. Fear of Christ drives our marriage and how we love our spouse. We, wives submit to husbands out of fear for Christ. Wives submit because the husband is her head, verse 23. The, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Notice husbands love their wife as their own body. Wives submit to their husband as their own head. It's the head and the body. You know, as I said, I take good care of my body. I take good care of my head, too. You do, too. You know, I played baseball when I was a kid, like third through fifth grade, and I was terrible at it. 
That's terrible. They put me in the outfield. Not every guy who gets put in the outfield is terrible, but it's where they put the terrible players because they don't get much action out there. I got put there because they didn't want me to get much action. And here's why. Because if a pop fly is coming my direction, I'd let it land in the grass and go get it, toss it back in. Why? Because in my mind, I'm going to hold my glove up like this, and it's going to land and roll down my arm and hit me in the face. Or I'm going to go to catch it like this, and I'm going to be off just a hair and boonk. I just knew that was going to happen to me, and I protected my head. I protected my head. I took good care of it. Why? Because if our head is destroyed, our life is destroyed. You know, if a, if a farmer is working on, you know, some of his machinery and, and something goes wrong and he accidentally cuts off his finger, like, that's going to hurt. That's going to be really uncomfortable. That's going to be really inconvenient for the rest of his life. He's probably going to survive that, though. If he can get it bandaged up and get, get it taken care of, he's probably going to survive. But you take that farmer and you put him in the, in the you know, 1200s AD and they bring out the guillotine and lay him down on it and pull the lever and the blade comes down, he's not getting out of that alive. Why? Because his head's severed from his body. Your, your head is where your life is. If your head is taken from your body, you don't make it. The wife's job is to let the husband lead and be the head of the home. That's hard often for two reasons. First is a biblical reason. Genesis 3.16, when Adam and Eve sin, God puts a curse on the world. He curses the serpent. He curses the woman, curses the man. One of the woman's curses outside of pain and childbirth is Genesis 3.16, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. That is, before sin, the husband still would have been the head, but the family wouldn't have had any issues like that. But second's a practical reason. A lot of time, men, men these days are dummies. They're just dummies. Uh, are you telling me you expect him to lead in finances? That dude don't even know how to write a check. How is he supposed to lead? A lot of questions like that we're going to answer here in a minute, so just hang on. God has set it up so that husbands are the head of the home. 1 Corinthians 11.3, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the wife is her husband. The head of Christ is God. So understand the structure. It's God, Christ, husband, wife. That's how it works. The head, the head, the head, the wife. It's flowing down from God through Christ to the man to the wife. The wife's head is her husband. The husband's head is Christ. Christ fully submitted to God. The husband fully submits to Christ. The wife submits fully to her husband. Husband is the head. Wife is the body. So wives are to love their husbands for his good. Same as the husband with his wife. Both parties seek the best for the other member. And when they do this, the marriage prospers. Neither of them are concerned with themselves, but only with each other. So the wife submits to her husband out of reverence for Christ. She submits to her husband because he's her head. And verse 24, she submits to her husband because that's what the church does to Christ. The church submits to Christ. Christ lays down his life for the good of the church. The church does everything for the glory and praise of God. That's how that relationship works. The husband lays down his life for his wife. The wife follows that leadership. The fact is, it's not wives that are only commanded to submit. Both spouses submit like Jesus did. Jesus submitted to, the, to death and to us in laying down his life. That's what the husband does. Jesus submitted to his father. That's what the wife does. But what if? What if? I know that from there, there's a lot of what if scenarios that come up. 
Uh, what, what I've presented to you is the perfect model. If both spouses do what I've just explained, the marriage succeeds. But what about when it's not perfect? What about when one of the two spouses doesn't do what they're supposed to? I'm going to have my wife come up on stage now. I'm, the preaching's finished. Um, we're going to pull up some chairs, and we're going to talk about this. These are heavier chairs than I expected. Adrian, you are my queen, so here is your throne. There you go. <clears throat> you forgot your notes. I'm going to grab them. Chris will be on the white and the yellow microphone. Otherwise, this won't show up to those that are on Facebook Live. Um, so I told her long before I began this series, hey, I'm going to talk about wives submitting to their husbands. And I'd like you to come on, on stage and answer some questions so that it's not just some young, arrogant, 29-year-old guy telling wives to submit to their husbands. And I said no. You didn't say no. You agreed. Um, we don't believe women are allowed biblically to preach from the pulpit, but, but that's why we're off to the side here having this conversation. Um, I'm going to ask some questions. Adrian's going to mostly answer these, but then I'm going to chime in a little bit from time to time. Um, so, Adrian. I've presented the perfect scenario where the husband and the wife both do their part. Um, but what if one of them doesn't? Does this mean the wife is exempt from submitting if the husband doesn't do his part? No. The wife should still submit um, even if the husband is not doing his part because, as the text says, we're submitting to our husband as to the Lord. So we do it... Um, to serve the Lord and to obey him, even if our husband is not doing his part. Um, and that would be vice versa. The husband still loves the wife, even if she is not loving him. Mm -hmm. um, there's certainly some scenarios that, that this looks different in, which we'll discuss below. First Peter 3, 1 and 2, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Um, so it's this idea that do your part faithfully in hopes that you'll win the other party. Um, if a husband won't submit to his wife, the wife still submits. If the wife won't submit to her husband, the husband still submits. He still does his part. Adrian, I've really never seen a woman carry out this command in Ephesians 5 as well as you um, and be glad to do it. Um, does you submitting to me as your husband mean I can boss you around, tell you to go make me a sandwich or anything like that? No. <laughs> That's not what it means. Um, as, as my husband, you are supposed to lay down your life for me. Um, and make me a sandwich. <laughs> but you don't like bread. <laughs> so make me a wrap. It's okay, harder. I'll make you a wrap. That'll do. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's not going to make a sandwich. It's not bossing around. Um, certainly there's nothing wrong if he asks me to make him a sandwich, and most of the time I will gladly make him a sandwich. Sometimes I might grumble and still make it. But, um, 
but it's not a bossiness. It's not telling me what to do. It's um, as Aaron is laying down his life for me and serving me and loving me, um, then I'm going to, out of overflow, want to serve him and love him as well. Um, and like we said in the last question, if he's not doing his part, because I love the Lord and want to serve the Lord, I'm still going to want to overflow um, from that love of the Lord to serve him. Um, and so it's when he's laying down his life and not bossing me around, it makes me want to help him. Certainly he's going to ask me to do stuff that I don't want to do, like getting on stage and talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the microphone. I don't like the microphone. Um, but being submissive is a joint effort. Um, so when he's laying down his life, it's e easy for me to submit. Um, it's not him taking advantage of me. It's not him bossing me, me around. It's not him telling me what I have to do. Um, it's us working together and serving each other. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, we have a major problem in America with abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, many others. Um, you worked for years in Louisville at a center for domestic violence. Um, so you've counseled many ladies going through that scenario. Um, so worst case scenario, a husband is being physically abusive to his wife every day. Is she biblically required to submit to him? So <laughs> this one is one of, it, it falls under, if there's abuse going on, that's not okay. That's not um, biblical. It's there should not be abuse. And so if there is abuse going on, this is something that you would need to seek help for. Get out of the abusive situation, um, find help, get out of it. Submission at this point kinda becomes a mute point when abuse is happening and would be worked on later on down the line um, because that's it's not okay for abuse to be happening. Um, it happens mostly from the husband, but there are times that wives can be abusive. Um, so if there's any kind of abuse, physically, um, spiritually, uh, verbally, emotionally, any of that, that's something that needs further help. Um, at that point, submission is not the immediate issue. Safety is the immediate issue. Yeah, and um, it's the matter that, you know, if, if a husband's smacking his wife around and telling her to do something, that he's, she's not submitting by doing that. She's being forced to. Um, if I could just say to, to everyone here, especially if you're watching on Facebook Live and you just happen to chime in this morning, if, if you're abusing your wife or, or, or ma'am, if you're abusing your husband, you're, I don't know another way to put it, you're a disgrace. You're a disgrace. But Jesus will still have you. He'll still have you. So come running to him. Come running to him. Um, repent of your sins and come to him. He, he will forgive you and cleanse you and make you new. He'll make you no longer an, abuse, uh, an abuser but a servant. But if you won't come, if you won't come, there will be no redemption for you. There will be no redemption for you. The physical pain you are inflicting on your spouse is nothing compared to the eternal torment you will experience forever under the wrath of God. Let's jump to another kind of abuse spiritual abuse um, let's pretend a husband tells his wife to sin maybe it's a small sin like telling her to lie to her work um, in a way that will benefit the family somehow or um, something big like committing tax fraud um, or even stealing money from her place of employment is she required to submit if he tells her to sin
specifically when you're saying use the cloud to document you need to understand the rules of how to record it and how to draw it and how to put it in a paper and then have it ready for test and understand it. Yeah. Yeah, the text, I'm going to pass, I think Cindy's bringing you a mic because yours died. Um, the text says the that Christ is the head of the husband. Um, and so if you're trying to get your wife to sin, you're not, thank you, Sydney, we're not, you're not following Christ as your head. Um, and, and so you should be ashamed of that. Uh, Adrian, Ephesians 5.24, what I just read, specifically says that the wife should submit to her husband in everything. Um, does that literally mean everything? So if, if I come into the bathroom, you're getting ready for the day, and, and I say, I don't like your hair like that. Change it. Is, which I never do that, by the way. I'm just giving a scenario. Um, is Paul saying you submit and everything like that? What do you think? Um, what do you think he's getting at? So no. Take mine. Here you go. Let me pull that mic forward. Sorry. Hello. Okay. Well, no. Um, he's not saying we should submit and everything like that. Leading is not controlling. So the husband should not be controlling his wife in every move she makes, everything she does. Um, how she looks, how she dresses, how she wears her hair. Um, he can certainly make suggestions, but um, that is not, I didn't, you do not have to submit in every little thing like that of you have to cut your hair because your husband says cut your hair or he likes it better short. Um, yeah. Um, husbands, your job is not to boss your wife around um, or, or to control her. It's to lay down your life for her, and then she submits to that leadership. Um, it's about seeking her best interest, not demanding yours. Um, th this shouldn't even be a question we have to answer, but, but of course there's control and abuse out there. Um, we've covered a lot of extreme examples. Let's get more down to earth. Um, most people here probably have a pretty normal marriage. Um, there's not abuse. There's not tax fraud going on. No husband's telling his wife to make her a sandwich or um, anything like that. How does this relationship of a husband submitting to his wife play out in everyday life? Um, does the husband make all the decisions in the home? Who does the finances? Who cooks? Who, who works to provide outside the home? Things like that. So this is something that varies from couple to couple. Um, the Bible doesn't give a specific list of what the husband should do in the home and what the wife should do in the home. Um, it gives roles as leader and helper and those and how those play out differently as leader and helper um, but it doesn't mean that um, our being a leader doesn't mean that you have to make more money or that the wife can't work um, there are situations where wives make more money than the husbands that doesn't mean the husband can't be the leader of the family um, it doesn't mean that a wife has to stay home she can go out and work there's freedom for the couple to make those decisions together what works best for their family um, but the husband's job is to lead the family spiritually and in all other areas so while it doesn't give a specific list it does give that role of leading and wife submitting and helping yeah so think of it with the head and body analogy um, the husband's the head the wife is the body um, the head does certain things, the body does certain things, right? The head sends the neurons down to my hand to, to know to pick up this tablet, but the, the, the hand doesn't, the, the head doesn't do that. Uh, my, um, my mind does that. Um, I got confused there. The point is, look, um, the, the head does certain things, the body does certain things, um, and, and so in that case, it's not an, an issue like that. 
I, I got sidetracked because my tablet malfunctioned. Um, this is why I used to use paper, but I ran out of ink so much in my printer that I figured just go back to this. Here we go. Um, so an example of this, when Adrian and I got married, um, I took the lead in the finances. I did all the financial stuff. Um, Adrian still never lets me live down in the first few months of our marriage. We have a family budget. We have in that budget a um, certain amount of money that each of us are, are allowed to spend on different things, books, clothing, whatever we want to buy. And like one of the first months of our marriage, she went over $7 in her clothing budget, and I got onto her. She never lets me live that down. We were fine. We had plenty of money left to budget, but um, um, keeping up with the finances, though, became very stressful for me between school and work and church and everything else. And so at some point, we moved to, to her taking over that area. Um, I'm still at the 30,000-foot view of it. I still see what everything that goes on is, but she pays all the bills, and that's just a way that she helps me. That's carrying out the role of helper very much. I lead the way in it. I initiate every month when we sit down to make the family budget, um, but, but, but she's the one that pays the bills. It, it works out like that. These roles aren't meant to be a prison. The wife submitting and the husband leading, that's not meant to be a prison. God's not about imprisoning you. He's get, he gives you a lot of freedom in how these roles play out in marriage. Um, and now Aaron goes over his clothing budget, not me. <laughs> it's, it's books, not clothing. Um, <laughs> um, all right, final question. There, there's a lot of times when a husband feels he is honestly making the best decision for his family, but the wife doesn't agree with the choice. Um, it's not anything bad. It's just something she wouldn't agree with. Um, but she still submits. Could you give an example of how this sort of thing might play out? So as me and Aaron were talking through this, we just kind of picked a random example to kind of let it play out. So we use the example of investing money. So the husband comes home. He's like, we have this money. We got the stimulus check. I've really done some research. I want to invest it in Apple or I want to do this with it, and I've researched it. This is what I think we should do. We could possibly lose in the end, but it looks like we could gain in the long run as well. Um, I could say, I don't agree with that. I don't, we need the money now. We need it for diapers, or we need it for this, or whatever. I don't, I don't feel like we should invest it. I don't, I don't trust that, or whatever. Um, and so it would play out in the, um, we discuss it. Aaron talks, it, talks through it with me. We, um, I share my thoughts, my concerns, but ultimately if Aaron is still just like, I really think this is what we need to do with this, um, I think it's what would work out best. Even if I disagree um, and I have voiced my opinion and he has listened and it could look, it could fall out different ways. So he could want to invest 2000 and he decide, we decide we're going to do 1000 instead of 2000 because I'm concerned. Um, but different things, but after that discussion happens, if he still chooses to go with that, then me fully submitting would be supporting that decision even though I disagree with it. And if it doesn't work out, not holding that over his head and saying, see, I told you so, I was right, you were wrong. Um, it's talking through that and still supporting even if I'm not completely on board and it's not anything that's sinful or that could hurt our family. And, and I don't do well at investing money, so that's not a real scenario. But um, um, any other comments you'd like to make about this before we close out? I just, um, I mean, this is a hard thing. And I know, like Aaron said in the sermon, um, 
the world makes submitting sound like such a bad thing. Um, they like to pick on Christians in the church about this passage of wives submitting to their husbands. Um, but just to reemphasize kind of what Aaron said in the sermon, like when we are looking at it, that we're serving the Lord and through serving the Lord, um, we're also serving our husband. And when our husbands are doing, like when Aaron is loving me and laying down his life for me, I never view this as submitting to him. Um, and I, like most days in, for most of our marriages, it probably plays out in just daily conversations, discussing what's best for our family, what's best for our marriage, what's best um, to, just for our daily life. And so it's not like I don't think Aaron has ever come home and demanded something or said we have to do this. Like it just plays out in these daily discussions of what we need to do. Um, and because Aaron is leading our family spiritually and because he is loving us and um, trying to serve the Lord, that makes it very easy. And when I don't want to follow his leading or submit, I have to remind myself that um, marriage is to sanctify us and to make us holy and more like Jesus. And if I want to be more like Jesus, um, obeying his word, which says to submit to my husband and to submit to God's word, makes it a little bit easier. We tried, to co we tried to cover all the various scenarios with this, but if we didn't cover one that you're thinking of, come talk to us afterwards. Um, th there's, there's probably some that we didn't think of, but um, uh, Martin Luther in the 1500s made this statement, my conscience is captive to the word of God. That is ultimately wha why this conversation matters, what matters in this conversation. My, um, my conscience is captive to the word of God. You're either captive to God's word or you're not. Um, if you're captive to it, then when um, you come to hard teachings like this, you will obey them even if your sinful flesh protests. If you're not captive, you'll either reject what it says or you'll say something like, well, that passage isn't literally saying to do that or, oh, that was just a cultural thing at that time and it doesn't apply. Um, friends, we're captive to God's word. We're captive to it. Sometimes the Bible says things we don't necessarily like, but we obey them because Christ is worthy. If you have more questions about this, please feel free to come talk to us. We'd love to discuss that with you. Um, let me pray for us. I'm, I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and then you'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, there's a lot of hard teaching in the Bible like this. Um, Lord, our culture says that wives submitting to their husband is the harder teaching. I think husbands being Jesus to their wife is a more difficult teaching. Um, Lord, I pray for each marriage here that they would learn how to apply that teaching and live it out faithfully. Lord, I pray that you would help us um, reflect Christ in our marriages. Lord, I pray for those who aren't married that they would um, be able to help others in this church um, live that out in their marriage as their brother and sister in Christ. Um, Lord, I pray that, that, that the world would know who Christ is through how husbands and wives love, their, love each other. Lord, help us to obey when teachings like this come up. In Jesus' name, amen. As we go, hear the words of Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, 8 through 11. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Go in the joy this morning that Christ has reconciled you by pouring out his love for you. Um, last week, there are some cards that you were given at the door with questions on the back for married couples to discuss. I've got those at the front. I wasn't able to get them passed out beforehand. If you'd like one of those, come up. Um, there's, there's questions for this sermon as well. Um, if not, you're dismissed. Have a great day.